0: This is the Village Church Q&A podcast, where our goal is to create digital, shareable, and helpful content to make disciples who will go, grow, and overcome.
1: It is Tuesday at the Village Church Q&A podcast. We're uh, in a series of pretty challenging questions with Pastor Craig Jarvis, lead pastor of Village Church East. Pastor Michael here with you. And uh, Craig, thanks for being here. Thanks for letting us just put you on the spot with the very, very culturally, emotionally heated personal Difficult questions. Well, you
0: know, you know, call call me in for the hard days. That's, That's great. <laughs> That's what we did.
1: I punt. <laughs> so we've been talking about um, what do you what do you do when you have a homosexual couple and uh, there's a divorce? Um, we talked about the kids. We talked about um, how you go about this process, the difference between legal marriage and the cultural economy and in God's economy, what marriage is and divorce in each of these. And so uh, I think it's been a helpful discussion and high level. One of the things I think we that our audience should be realizing is that Christians need to be very nuanced and very clear in our categories and in our thinking. Mm. We'll never be able to to parse through and and track through the weeds of of this world and the ideas of this world if we're not clear-headed. And so that's one of the things we want to help people do is just think crystal clear. Mm. There's God's economy. There's the world's economy. Each have their own authority each have their own policies and best practices, etc. In God's economy, everything he says is holy and anything against it is sin. In the world's economy, they would say what they do. They wouldn't use the word holy, but it is good and true and right. And everything that disagrees with it is wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, and if not wrong, we'll even go forward and say um, is, is bigoted or mm-hmm. racist or whatever words they want to throw at it. So this is obviously a, a – we're dealing with two kingdoms that have always been opposed, but the but the people in the kingdoms are getting more violently opposed to each other. At least in the American cultural experience, to that way. Mm-hmm. so here's the here's the question um, for today: What if I'm a genuine believer and I'm not convinced that fill in the blank is sin? Now, let's start with the issue of homosexuality, but this can apply anywhere, and I and I want to tell you why I think this is important. In 1 Corinthians chapter 5, Paul talks about not associating with people who bear the name of Christ, mm-hmm. bear the name of Jesus, meaning they're, they profess to be believers, mm-hmm. but live in sin. Here's what he wrote. He says in 1 Corinthians 5, 9, I wrote, to you in my letter not to associate with sexually immoral people not at all meaning the sexually immoral of this world or the greedies or the swindlers or idolaters since then you would need to go out of the world so the christian (laughs) is allowed to associate and be friends with and whatnot non-christians it doesn't matter if they're heterosexual homosexual it's irrelevant that's that is not my Mm. my problem Uh, i don't have any i don't have a personal issue with you because of your lifestyle choices Mm -hmm. whatever you are if you're a non-christian if you're a homosexual, we can be friends. Mm-hmm. If you're a swindler Absolutely. and a drunkard, a crack addict, I don't, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. I mean, I care this about you. This is what Jesus
0: was accused of constantly, right? Yeah, Jesus is
1: always hanging out with people who he friended
0: had, too many people in the world.
1: Yeah, they were, <laughs> they were they were they were not playing by God's rules, right. you know. And uh, so this is, I think, this is one of the greatest ironies. I just want to we'll stop and say this uh, because Christians should be unfazed by the world's evil, um, by don't what agree. God's kingdom calls evil, like. I'm not phased. You got drunk last night. You had a one night stand. I think that's unwise and unhealthy. And I can show you secular science <laughs> and we'll, we'll show you that. But I love you anyways, and, and um, sure. Um, so he, here's what he's saying. He said, look, I'm telling you guys not to associate with sexually immoral people. I'm not talking about non-Christians. I'm talking about a specific group of people. I'm writing to you not to associate with anybody who bears the name of brother or is a Christian, identifies with Jesus. If he is guilty of sexual immorality or greed or is an idolater, reviler, junker, or swindler, not even do, eat with such a one. What do I have to do with judging outsiders, meaning non-Christians? The answer, Craig, is... Nothing. Nothing. I have no judgment for you. Mm-hmm. God God will. You can him and can deal with that. I can tell you what he says and yep. what he thinks. Yep. I personally have no condemnation or judgment mm-hmm. for you. Is it not those inside the church whom you are to judge? God judges the outside, but get the purge, get the evil person from among you. Those mm-hmm. Christians who call themselves brothers and don't live under the authority of God's Trimpling word. Trampling under grace. Totally. Grace underfoot. Yeah, This is where our audience needs to hear this distinction because if they don't listen carefully, they're going to think I'm saying something I'm not. Mm-hmm. This text assumes that the person who is living in sexual immorality and greed understands its sin. Mm. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Bragging on it. Right. I think there is a gray issue in this whole discussion that has given me much pause. I listen before I conclude. Um, Way, way, way—I will listen a whole lot more before I conclude anything now. Because um, I have— A number of, we'll say, former friends, not because of their sexuality or anything of the sorts, but just people I'm not like friends with. We're Facebook friends. You know, that's what I call I have a bunch of Facebook friends. A very small group of of people in my life who would call themselves Christians who are homosexual, like two is small, right? Mm. And believe that the Bible teaches that their homosexuality is Mm. holy. Okay. Uh, But there's this growing group of Christians in the evangelical perimeters that truly believe that the word of God um, supports their homosexual lifestyle. It it does not condemn it. Um, So they enter into this lifestyle, not believing they're going against God's word, but actually believing in their mind that they are in God's will and that this is a holy union, okay? Mm. Then there's a whole nother group of people who have never studied the issue. This is where I find actually most evangelicals uh, who believe in gay marriage and that homosexuality is just another God-ordained expression of of love. Um, They have never studied the scriptures, but they have been influenced by people who have taught that the Bible supports and condones these things. So they're going into life. And they're advocating LGBTQ rights, not because they're unbiblical intentionally, not because they're like evil, terrible people, but because they have been taught and they've been trained Mm. by people who genuinely believe that. And we all tend to believe our teachers, right? You and me, we're trained a little bit different as pastors. We're trained to test everything meticulously. Mm. Most people aren't trained to test everything. Mm. They're trained to have teachers and they live out and trust the teaching of their teachers. This category for me has been one of the most difficult to deal with. So there's uh, two couples right now at church that we're just navigating this issue. They've never even conceded that this could be wrong. Uh, They believe in God's word and they've had teachers who have supported it, uh, supported uh, same-sex marriage. uh, Homosexuality is a holy attraction. Um, They've had teachers who've told them that. So they've just always assumed it's been okay. Uh, and in fact, some of those teachers have said, oh yeah, you know, those fundamentalists who, who don't believe in that, they also don't allow you to have a beer or anything of the sorts, mm-hmm. you know? So, um, in their brain, the people who have been against, uh, we'll say same sex marriage mm-hmm. and call homosexuality a sin have just been fundamentalists, like crazy people.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So like their motives are good. Their intentions are good. They've been submitting under the authority of their teachers, which is a good thing for the most part. Mm-hmm. Um, and they are not intending to sin. What do you do in that gray area? So, this is Kierkegaardian,
0: if you're familiar with that.
1: This is. This our our is, entire audience is 100% <laughs> familiar with Stone Kierkegaard. This,
0: this yeah. is the idea that every part of my <laughs> life fits in a category, and those categories don't necessarily overlap. It's much easier to live in that realm of existence because uh, I can look at you and say, you're a fundamentalist, you belong in this category, or my work life. Um, I operate this way in my work life, so that's that category. Or this is my home life, so I can I need to operate this way. Or I go to church, and this is my church life. So my life operates in categories, and none of them overlap, and there's no contradiction because they don't overlap. Uh, as we as we understand Scripture, uh, God doesn't create our lives to operate in categories. He creates our lives to operate as one whole pattern of existence under one ethical scheme. And that ethics is kingdom ethics. So I would say that we live in a world that teaches us categories are okay. So you can you can honestly say, well, this person cheated on his wife, but that was uh, because of this or because of that. And that was his work situation. Therefore, it's acceptable. Therefore, it's acceptable. And it's not really cheating because he's fulfilling his needs or whatever. Mm-hmm. That's a category. But when he comes home, he must operate as a dad and as a husband correctly. And that's a category that they don't overlap. We would say in God's economy that um, there's a kingdom ethic that permeates through every part of my life. So how I treat my wife bleeds over into how I treat my friends, bleeds over into how I operate at church, bleeds over into how I operate at work. It is one life that screams about God's authority can't over me. I can yell at
1: my wife at home. And Correct. Then- all of a sudden, not okay to yell at other people. No, it's right. just not okay to yell at anybody. That's exactly Always right. Always everywhere. Which is
0: why Paul, when he talks about uh, the way that Christ loves us in Ephesians chapter 5, he uses the marriage concept because we understand it's all under one big umbrella of ethics. So I understand the way that I love my wife has direct implications on how I understand God loves me. The theology category of my life bleeds over into my marital Relationship with my wife. So that might be a difficult thing to grasp, but it's essential for us to understand. Otherwise, you are going to grab categories your entire life from people who you respect, and you're going to live your life with different categories. And in your mind, they will not intersect, but under God's authority, one might be a, a direct contradiction to the other, and it won't be a life that screams about God's authority. It'll yeah. be a life that is categorized under different authorities in our lives.
1: Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Let me make it really tactile. There are a number of people who go to Village Church in every church, and they will hear me teach about lying, okay? Don't lie, et cetera. And they're like, yeah, I believe that, right? But the very same person will go into culture and believe what they say about sexuality. That, that's it. Well, here's the problem. We are both speaking out of very different authorities. That's right. Very different ethics. In fact, the very thing that tells me not to lie and the very thing that tells them that homosexuality is okay, fundamentally contradicts you. It's like religions. I like this part of Christianity, but this part of Islam. Correct. You can't do that. Right, right, right. That's how different they are. In fact, these two worldviews are opposed to each other. Soren Kierkegaard,
0: the guy mentioned before, he's the father of postmodernity, and that's the culture, if people don't understand, that's the culture in which we live, so that we constantly talk to people. Right. We take what we like out of here and take what we like out of here, and the two don't contradict. Yep. But it's important for us to understand that Jesus himself teaches that his commands over us are all-consuming. They cover every part of our lives. In fact, he says it in Matthew 7, one of the greatest, one of the only full message that we know that we have Mm -hmm. of Jesus Christ at the Sermon on the Mount. He finishes it this way. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who builds his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came. That's challenges of life and uh, challenges to our operational schemes, how we live our lives. And the winds blew against it and beat on the house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rains fell, the floods
1: came, the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. So I want to get to the question here. I interact semi-regularly with Christians who are not convinced that what they're doing is sin. Yep. They believe it's good.
0: Yep. My simple advice, it's real easy. Have you done the research?
1: Look in scripture, find out. Here's what they'll say. Yeah. I read a book by Matthew Vines. That gave a biblical defense of homosexuality, gay marriage as a holy union between one man and one man or one woman and one woman in a monogamous relationship. Then I would say. I've done the research. I've read
0: six books. (laughs) Then you're picking and choosing categories. Mm -hmm. Go to scripture and find any place where God commends, instructs how to or rewards homosexual behavior. You will not find any of those. But you will find the
1: opposite for a healthy heterosexual relationship built on the ethics of the kingdom. Okay. Okay. Maybe the counsel to that person is if you find yourself in these heated cultural issues, you must find clear-headed people with the opposing view yeah, to sit and listen to. Uh, I think what gets really hard. Here's what gets really hard. Uh, is. But ultimately, and I don't mean to interrupt
0: you, yeah, but no, you're fine. ultimately look at where the arguments are coming from. Mm-hmm. If the arguments are founded on scripture, you'll you'll find that there's a, a permeating mm-hmm. idea of scripture that
1: runs from Genesis to yep. Revelation. Can I just tell our audience what that idea is? Yeah. It was very simple. There are two worldviews primarily that are competing right now in terms of how one um, views uh, what scripture says and what it demands. Um, and, and I'll help our, our audience put in very clear categories. There's progressives and there's conservatives. Um, progressives, fundamentally, when you look at legal issues, social issues, um, they believe they have founding documents, the Bible, the Constitution, or whatever they have, but they believe that the original intention of the authors are not the most important thing. That its relevance and its application to evolving uh, cultural and social climates is what's very, very important, which is what makes a progressive judge a progressive judge. He's not concerned or she's not concerned about the original intention of the authors of the Constitution. They're interested in how the Constitution applies and protects people in light of the evolving culture and what reality and truth is. Mm -hmm. A conservative uh, judge is going to have a much different view of authority. The conservative judge is going to say, no, I want to know what the original author's intention was. And they are not relying on culture to um, figure out how these principles get applied necessarily. They want to know what did God mean and what did he mean when he wrote it and how does How does that apply now? It's very different. One is progressive. One, the applications evolve. One, the truth is not uh, static. It's evolving. It's progressing. And the other, the truth is static. And so for the progressive who interprets scripture, what they say on the issue of homosexuality is, well, that's what it meant then, but now time is different. The principle is monogamy. And so as long as we keep monogamy, I can do that in a heterosexual-homosexual relationship, even though Paul never would have taught that, um, we're upholding the principle and we're going to apply that progressively.
0: Then there would have to be, in my mind, and I would think in a even in a progressive's mind, in order to be truthful to scripture and say, okay, this is the yeah. rock that I get my – Instruction from, mm-hmm. there would have to be some positive comment about
1: homosexuality no, somewhere. No, because in the progressive's mind, that cultural context demanded the rightness or wrongness of a lot of behaviors. The cultural context largely is what allows or permits certain behaviors. And so, what the progressive does is they they get the most um, essential bare minimum principle. And they find the principle, which is monogamy, right? Uh, That's their understanding of the fundamental principle of marriage. And what they do with this principle then is they say, okay, well, in first century Rome, according to Romans 1, homosexuality was sin. So therefore, it could not be lived out in that culture. But now it's not sin. The principle is monogamy. Unfortunately, this is the challenge of progressivism is that there aren't a lot of rules in terms of how biblical principles are applied from culture to culture conservatism, um, we'll say biblical conservatism, um, is pretty clear. It's cut and dry. Nope, it said it was wrong. It's wrong. It's wrong always. If it was wrong, then it's wrong always. And therein is a fundamental disagreement. Um, if you, you just look at the legal system right now, this is the difference between a, – a, a Supreme Court judge that Obama will put forward and a Supreme Court judge that Trump will put forward. One is progressive, one is conservative. Mm-hmm. And the progressive says, no, it's an evolving document. It's a living document. And one says, no, it's a static document. And this static document uh, creates a static application of these principles. It's very different. It's, it's just a completely different way of viewing scripture. What I find with a lot of progressives is that this is their fundamental view of scripture is that it has to evolve and become increasingly relevant. Uh, how do I make this relevant Um, For what people are really going through. And unfortunately, the progressive view of interpreting scripture basically puts culture at the top of the authority. God is not the authority anymore. Um, Culture is and scripture becomes a means to support their cultural beliefs, Mm -hmm. which is why you you go to a progressive church. They don't teach through books of the Bible. Mm -hmm. They teach topics, social justice issues, and they use scripture, one or two verses or story or parable to support their point. You go to a conservative church, they'll teach through whole books of the Bible because they want you to understand the Bible in its context and what it meant for those people because it always applies. Is that clear? Yeah, yeah. No, very clear.
0: But here's where the cracks will appear. Because if you're always chasing for what's culturally relevant in the the realm of progressive understanding, Mm -hmm. then truth will always be changing.
1: Absolutely, which is why homosexuality can be wrong in the first century, wrong for 1900 years, and then right in the last 20 or 30 years. Right. Which leaves you on unstable ground. Yep. Same Uh, with birth control. It's the same with women. How do you raise your children? How do you teach what is right? And men and their roles and masculinity and femininity and gender. So we have to ask this question Would God
0: intend to preserve Scripture and to give us His Holy Spirit that breathes the words of Scripture to us on a regular basis? Would He intend for that to be as prominent? Uh, uh, emphasis for us uh, said over and over in Scripture, pointing back to Scripture, the words even that I read this morning, uh, with the intention that that will change over time. Why would God go to all the lengths of preserving something for us to create our lives, to follow that blueprint, if it weren't, why give Scripture at all? Why give the Holy Spirit at all?
1: I totally agree. I think there's one like, uh, we'll say the the linchpin in the argument of the progressives. Um, No Jew nor Christian for... Thousands of years of biblical history has ever seen the Bible as progressive. That has not been the primary way or even secondary or tertiary way that the scriptures have been understood. It's postmodern culture. Right. And that's where we forget that this cultural concept of cultural relativity and progressivism, it's new. Mm-hmm. It's new to history. Um, this is not normal. This is not what human history has known. Human history has known authoritative truth, whether it's Caesar or God or the Bible or whatever or Islam or Etc. cetera. That's what, by and large, most cultures have always known. Progressivism, though, is in our blood as Americans. People will come to Christ, but they still come to Christ as a progressive uh, because that is their cultural heart language. And it takes some time, I think, for the Bible to dismantle, for God's word, God's Holy Spirit to dismantle progressivism mm. and show people, no, God's word is authoritative and true always, and it doesn't change with the winds of culture. Jesus made no apology. When he talked about
0: uh, where commands come from, he was constantly pointing back to Moses and the prophets. He was constantly pointing back to the Old Testament. He quoted uh, Old Testament scripture on a regular basis. And so he tells us even, he tells his disciples, he says his commands are, if you love me, you keep my commands. My commands are not burdensome. So to me, I would agree with you, the progressive culture in which we live constantly chides against that uh, idea. But our responsibility is to constantly go back to scripture and say, What implications do we have on every single item, including homosexuality, every single item in Scripture? How does God speak about it? How does he commend it or warn Mm -hmm. against it? How does he speak about it? And and we take our cue from there. We don't take the bare minimum Mm -hmm. monogamy and say, well, I'll live this kind of life, even though it's warned against, it's it's, uh, (laughs) illustrated— In terrible ways in the Old Testament and in the New Testament and say, yeah, but it was monogamous. So since we can make it monogamous, we can now say it's right. Mm -hmm. There's a contradiction. Which is a progressive argument. Right. Which which, is a contradiction. We're obviously
1: not progressives in our view of Scripture. It's
0: categories that make us feel comfortable rather than being under one big umbrella of the authority of God. Yep, Good
1: deal. I'll close with this. My encouragement to most people is to be very patient with people's process. Because when you come to the yeah. Lord, you don't think perfectly, feel perfectly, want perfectly. We're still very thoroughly broken. And there's oftentimes a lot of intellectual work that God has to do um, in someone's heart. And even you you can understand and believe the gospel, trust in Jesus, and not have your progressive approach to the word of God or life dismantled yet. Uh, sometimes it takes a little while for some of those things to come undone. Um, but one of the things I do believe the Holy Spirit does is in the right time, in the right place, um, God's word has this powerful authority over us. And when when we hear it, um, the Holy Spirit at the right time begins to show us the reality, not of the progressive nature of God's word, but of the static and authoritative nature of God's word.
0: Make prayer a priority. See, if you're really seeking what God has for you, seek it honestly. It's very difficult to not take our thoughts to scripture, but try and approach scripture by allowing it to speak to you rather than you to use it. Mm. Difficult, but it can yep. be done through prayer and the power of the Holy
1: Spirit. All right. This was a long one. So let's come back tomorrow. We're going to go in a completely different direction. Basically, the the question asker wants to know, hey, in the Old Testament, there's all of these signs. Why did people lose hope so easily? Mm. With all of this awesomeness, I want to know the answer to it. Mm. So tomorrow, we'll ask you. Okay. See you then.